You're listening to Cards and Cubes, a show about board games that you didn't grow up playing. On today's show, we'll be talking about some games played, followed by some games looking forward to, and then our designer spotlight on Stefan Feld, and then our top three veritable player powers. Today's episode 29, and we are your hosts. I'm Brandon. I'm Christo. And Justine will be sitting out this episode, unfortunately. Hey, so I have a ton of board game shelves in my house, right? Like like most of us board gamers do. However, all of my board game shelves are now completely full. I've reached capacity. And this is worrisome to me, right? Now, in the past, I've just bought more board game shelves. But I've reached capacity there, too. Maybe... uh. <laughs> A normal person would say, we'll just stop buying games, right? But uh, you, as I know, Fristo, I guess us board gamers aren't necessarily normal. <laughs> you just buy a larger house at that point, I guess. Yeah, that's that's my solution. I'm just going to get a bigger <laughs> house. <laughs> Eventually, that's nice. not that's not why. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm also at the point, too, where like I don't have any games that I'm willing to part with yet. Like there is some that I'm like, yeah, I'll probably get rid of those eventually, but you know, they maybe weren't more plays or, or, um, I want to try it with a different player account to see if I like it, you know? Yeah. So do you, so uh, I bring this up cause I'm wondering, do you have any suggestions besides buying a bigger house of how to like combat this, this, this problem? Cause I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one. I, like, where are you at with capacity? Are you, are you reaching nervous levels? Uh, no, unfortunately, I don't know. I kind of went through a roller coaster ride at first. I was like, holy crap, I'm buying way too many board games. I'm ne I'll never play these games. And now I just kind of resigned that. Yeah, this is the situation. And yes, I've, um, I've slowed down a lot since, um, I don't know, a few years ago when I was buying like a lot of just really interesting games. I was going through kind of a backlog though. So I'm, I think I'm kind of done with games that I've wanted like throughout time not just current releases uh, but games from like 2010 and before that I've just missed uh, now I'm slowly playing through them um, as far as capacity goes, actually, the funny thing is I uh, have some shelves sitting in boxes, which I need to put together and put some games oh, on you them, have a backup. so I'm still kind of expanding. My house has capacity, so I haven't reached my house, house capacity yet, unlike you, I guess. But yeah, it's, um, it's kind of a problem with uh, board games. I've heard of stories where people... Uh, you know, like you fill up the room with shelves and then games start going down the hallway and it just kind of, <laughs> yeah. kind of gets, gets out of hand a little bit. So I don't know what the solution is. Um, I don't know if you, um, I guess it, it comes down to, like you say, if you don't have shelf space and you want more games, maybe really think hard about which game, um, to get rid of i guess that's like my only suggestion and it's pretty hard because yeah i know the feeling where you kind of like pretty much all the games you have and some less some more but it's kind of hard to get rid of even the games you like less because you still like them but i don't know yeah it's kind of a weird balancing act yeah you're like what if a situation comes up where i actually do play merchants and marauders <laughs> you know <laughs> i don't know if we've played that even once we should play that once before you get rid of it at least um, yes I'll yes try. i don't think i've ever gotten rid of a game that i haven't played at least once have you just gotten rid of a game yeah. you've never played before 
Uh, no, um, I've gotten rid of a few games where they were actually kind of disappointments, but uh, I played them once at least. Yeah. That's how I found out their disappointments. But no, I no, usually if I buy a game, I'm very well kind of researched into it and kind of really know that I'm going to like something about it. So um, even if other people don't like it, that's the saddest situation uh, yeah. if other people don't like it so I can't get anyone to play it I still like it so it's it's kind of a challenge sometimes but yeah and I I like all the games that I own so um, yeah kind of for different reasons but it's right. tough yeah so I'm glad I'm not in that situation yet but someday I don't know what, what yeah, I've been doing larger house before then <laughs> oh yeah yeah so the only way that I've been able to do this without putting games on my shelf uh, or on my floor which I don't want to do uh, especially because I have a two-year-old daughter that actually is very interested in these boxes um, okay. also there's my garage but with Utah weather being so extreme one extreme or the other I don't feel comfortable with keeping in my garage so what I do is so I have my board games on these calyx shelves and they're vertical, right? If I push mm. them in, it'll give me just enough room to put a game like 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 on display, you know, like box uh, yeah, yeah. facing out. Like flat, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. So I can do that. Now I have, with that thought, I have a bunch of space. But I have to remember to, to pull, you know, look behind games to, to see. Yeah. So that's, that's what I'm doing for now. I'd hate to sell a bunch of games and then the next house we get, we're like, oh my gosh, we have all this space for new shelves. And I'm like, no, I sold too many games. Yeah. I um, thought you were actually moving and it's been kind of delayed maybe because the virus and... Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Things, yeah. But yeah, that might change then, I guess. Right. Um, have you ever seen Jason Levine from the Dice Towers board game collection? Uh, no, but I've heard of it. Uh, basically, yeah. it's kind of like a warehouse with shelves. That's kind of what I've heard. A lot of, actually, probably very similar to mine, uh, oddly enough. There's a, <laughs> a lot of unpacked games. Yes, that is the case. Uh, there's a video on YouTube. Uh, you could just search like Jason Levine collection, you know, pop up. Yeah. Uh, he takes you through all the games. He has so many that he's actually planning on counting them for the Guinness Book of World Records. A lot of them are in shrink. Cool. He's got like a garage full of games. He's got another wall just stacked with games. It's nuts. And I'm like, you know, if I was single and doing well financially, that would be me. So there's no judgment passed on that. <laughs> yeah, kind of my situation-ish. Actually, not uh, even if I was single because my wife is a board gamer and we were collecting together which was a massive influx of games i guess if we didn't have a child uh yeah maybe it would get out of control so i'm glad it kind of was out of control for me for a while so i kind of got scared and like scaled down a lot to where i'm very rarely buying games now they have to be really interesting or unique to me yeah i was you know i was doing that as well until this pandemic for some reason that like made me buy more games <laughs> you know i just got yeah. like two boxes one from card house one from from uh game nerds and both had five games in them each so yeah well yeah usually when you buy online it's like that because you, you have to, to buy in bulk right yeah. shipping threshold and yeah. it's like at least three you're like i could pay five dollars more for one or two games or i could go uh, spend 100 125 bucks to get the yeah. shipping for free 
maybe it's like uh the where i was a couple of years ago because yeah i was getting pretty huge boxes from card house a couple of years ago i just remember those times it's pretty crazy it's exciting right sometimes for what the delivery people think of my house but oh anyway. yeah yeah it's exciting as <laughs> in like during these times where it's a little everything's a little dulled like it's nice to get boxes of games and go yeah. one day i'll be able to play this with a bunch of my old friends yeah yeah i, I think of them as boxes of fun yeah kind of. for sure all right well speaking of boxes of fun we played some <laughs> games hopefully boxes of fun uh Risto's gonna start us out with some games played okay um speaking of fun actually i don't know if this is like a fun game so to speak but i did play tournay a couple of more times um, i found someone who was interested in playing it tournay is kind of the follow-up to toa i guess and toa is a dice drafting game which is really awesome and cool and really well reviewed and tournay is kind of not which is weird because I, I think it's a good game. Um, definitely not Toa 2. I was actually warning the person the, before we played it. He was really interested because he really likes Toa. And um, he was kind of like, yeah, I want to try some of their other games or whatever. And this is one of their other games, which actually came uh, kind of in a similar time frame to Toa, I think. So it's not Toa 2, though, like I say. Uh, it's a card game, and it's actually, I think, kind of very similar. I think they're going for kind of like uh, almost like a race for the galaxy kind of a feel. I think it might be because of the time period it came out in. I think Race for Galaxy was released recently, um, and then maybe like multi-use cards or not multi-use necessarily, but just kind of elaborate card engine games were kind of in favor at that time maybe i'm just guessing i actually don't even know the release date i think it's like 2010 that's kind of floating in my head ish 11 but uh, 11. 11 so yeah yeah, yeah just a year enough. later race for galaxy was 2009 so they probably were heavily influenced by that by that that's kind of what it feels like to me but anyway it's a tableau building game where you're dealt a, well actually you're not dealt a hand of cards actually you're in a start with no cards but with these kind of meeple actions you draw cards not even draft there's a weird kind of slightly drafting mechanic where you reveal cards maybe for the other person or draw to keep one but you leave the other one on top of the stack face up so the other person can get it um but it's kind of a card game and you build a tableau in front of you and the tableau is a little bit kind of there's some engine there there's some combos uh they're cards which power up other cards so kind of like positioning them and uh, it's a three by three grid so you kind of arrange cards in front of you and activate them that's kind of how i would summarize the game uh pretty cool game i'm not sure if it's like it hits as like it's it's as, it's as much fun as Trois necessarily with um just twice just i don't know somehow a lot of fun it has a lot of magic uh Tournay is still a good game and actually the person I was playing it with liked it a lot to where we played it like two times um, over the last couple of weeks. One was the basic game, one was kind of more advanced game which is slightly more asymmetric potentially. But um, yeah, I really enjoy this game nevertheless. I'm kind of really surprised this game is not talked about more. I think it's worth playing um i think a lot of people just kind of skipped over it and maybe they see the not so favorable reviews and just kind of like eh, whatever um i think if it's if you like 
tableau building card games and like uh, a lot of kind of interaction like to how you can pay people to use their workers uh you can kind of actually hurt each other there's some take that but it kind of is balanced out with the just kind of the way the game is designed um i actually was thinking like what's unique about their games i think that what's unique about their games is um anyone you can pretty much do anything using anyone's anything like in uh you have dice but they're not really yours you can use any dice as long as you have resources so basically as long as you have resources you can use just do any action in the game really uh and it's all then about timing and about managing those resources uh but i think the unique thing with the games and tournay is the same way you can pretty much use like other people's buildings their mechanics to use other people's cars their uh, mechanics to just buy other people's meeples uh so you can do anything as long as you can afford it and the timing is right uh the scores are always really close actually maybe too close i don't know if i like uh in tournay how the scores are just so ridiculously close um but overall i think it's really cool game worth playing i actually never played this game with more than two people i think we played it once brandon like a long time ago yeah Mm -hmm. and i never played it with three people so i'm actually kind of really curious what it plays like with three or four uh now i've played it like three times with i, th- two I players. think i thought it was a, just a two-player game only no um, it's four um, i always thought of it to too four. as like twa the card game but then when we played it it definitely has a different feel there's some similarities but i wouldn't call it twa, yeah. twa the card game yeah it's somehow it just feels very different yeah, yeah. it's a different game but if you like i say if you enjoy card uh, tableau building games uh you will enjoy it if you enjoy Twa, not necessarily it's a different game yeah i remember enjoying this game quite a bit i, I wish justine was on the show because i wonder how her and matt if they've ever played it because i know they're like I don't huge know fans ever of played it, actually i bet they don't have it and they haven't played it what's the other game they did deus deus they did that's a great game i really like that oh yeah i really like this actually i was thinking about it recently i haven't played it for a while and i really like that game I should and play it again sometime snow snow linea solinia solinia Selenia, that's yeah. just like, yeah, that's just a precursor to Black Angel. Oh, is that right? I've never played that. I've seen, I think I saw you guys playing it once, but yeah. Yeah, Selenia, I like that game, kind of, but it's very light. It's almost like, uh, I don't know, like Azul Light, you know, just a very kind of sim- simple, simplistic game. Gotcha. But it's fun. It's pretty fun. pretty fun game. Oh, a lot of kind of lucky stuff happening there. So, speaking of light games, I played Control. Uh, this is from Pandasaurus Games. It came out this year. Um, it's it's spelled like the key on your on your uh, on your keyboard on your computer, unless you have an CPRL. Apple computer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, this is basically an area control game, three D. Um, it's a cube. It's just this cube, right? And there's Lego type pieces of your colors that you put in. So it's very, very simple rules. You simply put in a block and then you pick a direction and you go in that direction. And if you go off the edge, you wrap around. And if you go onto other players, uh, pieces, you could go on top of them. There's a uh, certain weird rules. Like if there's a wall, like if it's too high, like, I mean like two rows high, 
then you have to build up on yours and then over theirs. And there's a flag that you pull out in the beginning of your turn, you uh, put your pieces in, and then you put your flag in connected to any of your previously placed pieces, blocking other players from going in certain directions. And at the end of the game, you'll block scoring. And scoring is very simple too. You look at five sides of this cube, so the bottom is never used. And for every piece of your color that you see, you get one point. Every single side. That's it. That's the game. Now, I only played the two-player game of this, which is a slightly different game. Um, you pick two colors, and two players get two colors. So there's still four uh, color blocks going on the thing. But you get two cards of that color, and you pick one secretively, each of you, place it in front of you, other one goes in the box and you only score that color. So there's a slight bluffing to this game where you're trying to psych somebody out to maybe think that this is your scoring color while at the same time trying to uh, make good scoring opportunities for your other color. I like this game. It's very simple. There's really not much to say about it. If you like what you heard, that's what it is. It feels like an abstract game where it's extremely simple rules. However, there is some thought that goes into it of how to build out. And then there's this sort of like fun element to it, um, you know, where you're building and you're seeing this uh, visually cool thing happening. However, the pieces aren't perfect. They're, it turns after a while, especially if you're playing two players or four players where there's a lot of blocks on the thing, it almost feels like a dexterity game. There's no rules for the dexterity part of it but you can knock others you can knock pieces off very easily i was almost thinking of like a house rule it happened so many times of like if you knock over pieces the other the players pieces that you knocked over you get to put in but yours has to get discarded i don't know if i want to actually try that but it gets annoying so you have to be really careful placing these pieces and your flags but other than that i thought it was pretty neat um it reminded me of another game that uh, that Christo you had. I, I can't remember, but it was Rumis. Yes, that's yes. what I'm thinking yeah. of in my head. Yeah, it's like a more 3D Rumis. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that's what I was gonna say. Is it looks like 3D Rumis to me with like basically Lego blocks. You're just trying to like. Uh, there's a bunch of those games actually. There's a game called Pueblo that I've right. wanted to yeah. buy for like 20 years, which is all about like a guy walks around and looks at rows and showing pieces score. Basically, yeah. that's the theme of those games. Yeah, it's been compared. This game has been compared to Pueblo as well. Uh, yeah, I think you would probably like it. Okay, I don't. It's probably not the best out of all those games. But it's uh, it's available. That's Looks for one. Really cool. It's like basically playing with Legos. How many blocks do you put in per turn? I don't know if you mentioned. Just curious. Oh, because they're individual 20, blocks, right? Like one, you just put in one block at a time. Uh, no, you put in you put in three blocks at a time. So you put in one block uh, adjacent to your own, and then and then you pick a direction and you put two more blocks. So three blocks every turn. Oh, cool. So it's like a directional thing. Yeah. No, that sounds really cool. Actually, I kind of yeah. like those weird 3D games. I didn't even, this game didn't even register. I didn't, it's, um, I thought it's a card game actually for some reason. Maybe I just never looked at it. Yeah. Actually, there's a different control which I've wanted to play, which is a card game which came out like four years ago. So I, initially I was excited because I thought you were talking about that, but no. Uh-uh. Is it spelled just regular control? Yes. Um, and Is it, it control had like v? really mixed reviews, like really good at the beginning and then like not so good. And I was just curious 
it's a weird game. I don't know. Anyway, there's also a game called Control Plus V, which looks That's very weird. Weird. It, yeah. Pasting. <laughs> I don't know yeah. what they did with that. <laughs> but anyway, uh, enjoyable game. I, I would recommend it. Um, you know, it's Pandasaurus. Pandasaurus, I think, are 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 uh, they're good at components at least like the the presentation of the game i think is is nice and uh and the gameplay in this one is is good i liked it that's control ctrl yeah i'd be interested in trying it sometime anyway um i played the game called aton this week um it's a game only a two-player game by queen games kind of older uh, actually really old i think before 2010 maybe nine eight seven ish uh, I, I've had it on my shelf for a while. Um, I actually found it just kind of semi-randomly looking at, I don't know, maybe abstract games a long time ago with two players. Um, it's really an abstract game. It's a game of very majority. Um, you're, the theme is you're f- priests and you're fighting for dominance over four temples in Egypt. Uh, the priests of Aton versus the priest of some other god um it's kind of a weird game where you play four cards every round and the rounds are extremely quick so just like play four cards resolve them play four cards resolve them play four cards resolve them until the game's over um the game has a lot of weird rules a lot of weird exceptions kind of uh, there's an faq online just make sure you're playing correctly actually the first time we played incorrectly um and that kind of ruined the game actually because it's a very simple game it's one of those like uh kind of like games with five rules or something so if you get one wrong it's kind of <laughs> ruins the whole game because the game just doesn't play the same so we had that going on um and but then we fixed it and um i really like it but uh person i was playing with kind of still doesn't so much um there is some luck in the game. Uh, basically, the game is you play out cards from your deck, and your whole deck is just cards one, two, three, four. That's the whole deck that you have is just one, two, three, fours. So you draw cards and you assign them. Uh, one of them is just like points. So the differential between you and your opponent is how many times two is how many points whoever wins gets. And then the other ones are removing discs up to which temple you can add and remove discs from and adding discs of your own so basically it's just like this constant tug of war of numbers um and sometimes you draw high numbers sometimes you draw low numbers and then there are scorings uh kind of in the middle of the game uh ish the timing of the game is that everyone kind of goes through their whole deck once and maybe one and a half times from my kind of limited experience we played it like three times um so there is some luck with what cards you kind of draw you only have one marker which is a redraw marker so if you really hate um, a hand of cards once per game you can turn it into like if you drew four ones or something and that's basically a disaster turn um you can turn it into just discard them and draw again uh once per game I think the game does have some luck, especially with drawing the right cards right before scoring. That's kind of a good time, usually, if you're, especially if your opponent drew bad cards, because you can kind of swing things to your favor. But I think um, because there's so many, it's not a very simple, like a lot of area majority games are just kind of majority. 
Um, this one, there's four kind of boxes and there's multiple things you can go for as far as scoring. It's not just having the most in each box. There's like colors in each box. Uh, there's a color in all four boxes. There's like smaller points inside the box. So basically there's a lot of like overlapping majority things happening. So that makes the game really interesting to me. Um, there's some strategies you can pursue, like going in a high tempo where it's really hard, hard to put pieces and remove pieces from. There's uh, the spamming strategy, which I actually really like. I think it's good to just just put as many pieces as you want, even in the lowest tempo. Um, there's a lot of kind of, um, I think, just kind of interesting choices in the game. Um, sometimes the cards are bad, yes, but it should even out throughout the game is my argument. I still really like this game. Very quirky, very weird. Um, lots of weird rules. Well, like I say, lots of weird exceptions, but um, I was... It's pretty much what I expected is what I would say. Um, kind of a lighter game. Uh, people say they play two out of three with that game because one game could be kind of just really bad luck and i mean even two games could be bad luck but um for how short it is um probably like 15 20 minutes once you get used to the rules i think it's a really fun game with lots of really kind of interesting decisions so that's a ton a-t-o-n uh i don't know if it's in print probably not it's probably actually kind of hard to find i guess yeah, I mean, right now. looks like it came out in 2005. Yes, very if old. If it didn't get a reprint, it's kind of hard to to find. I'd never heard of this game, but it looks cool. I was looking at it here, and by your description, it sounds sounds like something Actually, like. it looks pretty horrible, but it's very interesting once you know the rules. <laughs> because if you look at it, basically, uh, there's like a majority of objective for black uh, spaces. So if you have the most, you get like eight points. There's actually an, uh, several win mechanics as well. It's not just about points. Uh, 40 points wins, but if you fill up a temple completely, you also instantly win. If you fill up all the yellows, you also instantly win. So basically, you kind of have to watch out multiple kind of lines of attack, so to speak, to kind of make sure your opponent's not just going to win, and even if you have the most points. So very interesting, kind of that way. Yeah, um, I like the look of it. It looks like an old Euro game. And yeah. I, I like the Egyptian <laughs> theme, as I've said before. So, it's, yeah. It looks brown, though. It's one of those brown games. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a lot of brown, right? A lot of brown and beige. <laughs> but yeah, that's done. All right. So the last game I want to talk about here is the Spillis Yars winner, Pictures. So I actually played this one. Nice. And, I'm curious uh, how it went. I'm really excited about this game. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's interesting. So I'll start by saying I do scratch my head of it being the winner of the most prestigious board game award in the entire world. <laughs> that is a little bit of a head scratcher. I think it's cool. Again, I'm going to say I wish that the the the, the Spiel des Jahres, uh, the, those awards, I wish they just had a party game category if they had one more and then focused on actual like board games. But anyway, that's beside the point. So what is the game? Well, the kind of core of the game is something I think we've seen a lot of in party games. So you have a grid of pictures and with this, it comes with tokens, one, two, three, four, that you put on the side of it, and then A, B, C, D that you put on the top of them. So that basically sets up coordinates for these cards. 
So like, what's the card in the middle? Well, it's, you know, it might be E4, whatever, or three. Anyway, you have a bag of these tokens of coordinates and everybody picks one of these out, secretively looks at them. Maybe Christo has A1 and I have D3. And then we have unique components in front of us that we we look at the picture and we try to create, recreate this picture using these unique components. So what are the unique components? Sticks and stones, shoelaces. Strings, strings yeah. Yeah, shoelaces. One's bigger than the other. <laughs> um, you have cards, like a small deck of cards with really simplistic art on it. And the rules for the playing the cards is uh, no less than two, no more than five cards. You have a picture frame, a little small picture frame that comes with cubes. They're colored cubes. Uh, they're like any cubes that you would find in any Euro game. Multiple colors, three of each color. It's a you three by three art. grid. <laughs> it's like pixel art, yeah. It's yeah. like a three by three grid. And the only rule there is you have to fill up the grid, which is really easy because it's really small. And the last one is like blocks. Uh, one of them has like an arch and like a circular thing, but they're just kind of like, looks like little kid play blocks. So you 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 build this thing, right? And then, and you do it all at the same time. You're, you're building at the same time, which I like because there's no like crosstalk of like, oh, is it this one? You know, because it's competitive. It's not, it's not cooperative. So everybody's building at the same time. When everybody's done, then you go one by one. I Like if it's my turn, I would flip my token. It's D1. Did anybody get D1? Oh, two people got it. I get two points. They get one point. And that's how you score. So everybody goes through. So you get a point for everybody that guessed right. And you get a point for every single other one that you've guessed right. Everybody has a score sheet. It comes with score sheets and you write everybody else's name on it. And that's how you kind of tally the, that's how you write in your guesses. And then that's how you tally points as well. The cool thing is, which I didn't know this until I read the rules, is you don't just have those unique components for the entire game. You move them now. So when that round's over, you move them left. And even if it's like a three-player, it plays three to five, by the way. So not no two-player game. But even if there's three, um, those components, some of the components are just going to be left out for a round, but then you're going to come back in. So you play five rounds. There's five different components. Every single player plays with these five different components. And then the game's in, and you just tally up the points. Uh, like I said, the core of the game is, I think, stuff that we've seen with grids of cards and, you know, you're you're trying to get people to guess the thing that you have, you know, like Dixit or something like that or or code names or... I was going to say Pictionary, actually. Yeah. But this does it in a unique way. The unique way is those components. That's, like, really the only innovative thing of this game. But it does bring a really cool flavor to the game and some interesting thoughts. Now, there is a problem with the cards in my case. They look like very generic kind of photos. You know what it looks like to me? It looks like a generic calendar. Like that's what these photos look like. A lot of it's like <laughs> landscapes. And I think there's a little bit of luck of the draw because if I draw, let's say, there's a picture that has a chain link fence that has a bunch of locks on it. I think it might be on a bridge in uh, Florence or Florence. Uh, I've been there. It looks like that one. But anyway, it's just like a close-up of a bunch of locks on a chain link fence. That might be really hard if I just have the cubes, you know. Or 
uh, you have the cards and there's just like a smokestack factory. You're like, ah, what do I do with these cards? I don't know. But that's the cool thing is people got really inventive with it though. With like the smokestacks, I think somebody put like a skull and crossbones and then like a light bulb. <laughs> um, I, there's uh, an example in, I forget, some of the re- one of the reviews I was looking at that I thought was pretty uh, intelligent. There's a snowflake and fire. So anytime they want to do water, they put the snowflake like on top of the fire, like the fire's lighting the snowflake, melting it. <laughs> yeah, melting it. So there's lots of room to get creative. And I thought that's cool. And I think it warrants a lot more plays that way. There's a huge stack of cards so the, and, and none, of the, none of the pictures change throughout the gameplay. So you're going you're gonna to have a lot of variability with this game. That was kind of a complaint of mine at first when I was like, ah, you don't change the cards. I thought like once they were used, you know, you could replace them. Um, Then I think there's two tokens. I think there's two, two or three tokens for every coordinates. So you and a player could get the same exact thing or you can get the same exact picture two turns in a row, but now you have different components. Or maybe I got a picture and I'm using the frame, and then the person next to me, then the next round is has the frame and is the same picture, but there's rules in it to say you can't recreate the same thing that was with that picture. So I guess it fixes it. I think it's fine. I think it's fine. Um, that complaint of mine kind of dissipated as we were playing because there's some like kind of deduction to like when you know the tokens, you're like, okay, so those have come out. So it's definitely not that picture, you know? So that it's a little tiny bit of deduction if you're paying attention and sort of memorizing what pictures came out. But it was fun. I, uh, everybody that I played with liked it a lot. Um, I'm wondering if the gimmick part of it, you know, if the, it's kind of a gimmick game where you're, you have these unique components. I wonder if that will grow stale as you play over and over game uh, again. You know, I mm. feel like party games like Just One and a few other party games like Zendo, I would almost consider a party game. Those, I feel like I could play like over and over and over again. I don't know if this one has that much replayability, but it it is really cool looking and it's really interesting. So it's at least one that I want to show everybody I play games with at least once. <laughs> which least once, yeah. Which will be a lot of gameplay for a game, right? So I'm yeah. satisfied scratching my head over the the winner. But it's still pretty neat. It's pictures. I mean, it reminds me of Pictomania, actually, is what I wanted to say, not Pictionary, Pictomania. Okay, yeah. uh, very kind of similar. I think that sometimes you're just kind of in the same wavelength as someone else, because that's a game where people are, you're drawing a drawing and people are trying to guess what you drew. That one has a speed component, though. Uh, picture doesn't have a speed component, does it? Or It does doesn't, it? and maybe it should because in Pictomania, like the earlier you guess, the more points you get if you guess correctly. So you're encouraged to just kind of draw quickly and guess quickly. <laughs> so you can draw elaborate paintings and whatever. I mean, I guess maybe that's the balancing is Pictomania. If you had a lot of time, you could just perfectly draw whatever it is. In right, pictures, right. you're limited by just drawing with shoestrings. So yeah, <laughs> there's only of, so much yeah, you can do. Yeah, some of these <laughs> things, like it doesn't matter how much time you have, it's going to be rough. <laughs> yeah. um, so, but anyway, yeah, I, I felt the same in Pictomania. The scoring in these games is just kind of like the lulls because yeah. like someone might just guess what you're doing just because they're on the same level, like 
thinking as you and someone else might be just completely off base like and that's just kind of oh and it could be a lucky work. guess like you know they could yeah. just been like uh i don't know i guess this maybe and it's right <laughs> yeah. you know but i think that's just kind of party games for you so yeah I, I, yeah i think as long as the game's fun to play i think i'll i'll probably like it so i'm kind of excited to try it sometime yeah i think that's part of party games is like everything has to be sort of easy uh teach for party games right even the scoring like that was the thing about um subtext was like the scoring was a little weird so when i played with like super casual players they're like didn't quite understand the scoring completely but a game like pictures like there's no mistaking how the scoring happens it's like super easy um the, the timing element like you don't need a lot of time to to build so i don't mind like a time restriction but i found a lot of people taking a lot of time with guesses so maybe something they could add into an expansion if they expand this game probably maybe it's the, the winner faster you guess the more points yeah i think that would be in. good because i you know there was a few times we were sitting there waiting for one person who's analyzing the <laughs> pictures and the thing and it's like ah let's just do it um but i understand where that kind of like ap comes from because you're looking at a picture and you're like what the heck could it be i guess it could be three of these things let me start narrowing it down and that's where like time could start uh getting a little too too up there kind of like code names you're trying to intersect concepts maybe yeah yeah so uh uh, neat i mean i would i would suggest people that like simple party games or play like to play games with their family and is interested in this kind of uh i get kind of gimmicky innovation um i would suggest to try it it's cheap game too. It's pretty cheap, so yeah, I'm I'm glad I own it. And that's pictures. All right, so that was some games played. Up next, some games that we're looking forward to. All right, uh, let me start with one that I don't know too much about, other than the designer. Uh, that's Mariposa. Designed by Elizabeth. Uh, I didn't write it down in my notes. I have it here. It's number one on BGG. Hardgrave. Hardgrave. Thank you. Uh, she did Wingspan. You know, she's the uh, she's famous for Wingspan, and I like Wingspan. Uh, there could be some complaints about it. I might have a few. However. Um, I still like the game and I saw a lot of potential in her. I think this was like her first game, maybe her second game. I know she did like a button shy game, right? One of those wallet games. I don't know if it came before or after wingspan. However, she's new. And I think that wingspan was a really neat design for somebody new to game design. And Mariposa looks very different than wingspan, except for, I guess there's still wings involved. But uh, that's like really why I'm interested in this game. I I looked at an overview. I'm not even going to try to begin to break down how it is without playing it. But I am looking forward to Mariposa. The other game I'm looking forward to that I'm actually um, pretty excited about. Not a lot of information on it yet, but I have gathered some. And that's Cloud Age. So it's going to be the new Alexander Pfister game. Supposedly releasing in 2020. We'll see if we get it here in the States in 2020. However, it is Capstone Games. So I don't know if Alexander Pfister has ever designed a game with Capstone Games before or had a game published by by Capstone. But I do like Capstone Games and I do like Alexander Pfister. Um, so he has stated that the game is lighter 
So kind of strange because Alexander Pfister usually makes heavier games and so does Capstone, but this is supposedly a lighter game. And there's an innovative sleeving mechanic that adds more thought to resource management. What does that mean? I don't know because that's all it says, but it's got me interested. And so that's Cloud Age. And that will about do it for games looking forward to. Yeah, I looked at Cloud Age and the theme sounds really interesting, but all I know is basically the box art. That's right, it. there's no box pictures of it. really cool and promising, but yeah. I have no idea what the game is going to be at all. So, yeah, yeah. No, oh, it uh, does say, actually, does, I think they added more to it. Engine building, deck building, and resource management. There's a campaign yeah. system to it, but uh, you don't have to play the campaign if you don't want to. I'm not sure if I'm huge on the sleeving thing, but the theme looks right up my alley with like a Zeppelin's over a devastated landscape. So hopefully mm-hmm. it's good. So yeah. I just hope it's good. Um, okay. Uh, games looking forward to for me. Um, I looked at actually some Kickstarter games this week. Uh, the first is Lunar Base. Um, it's a game which reminded me kind of of uh, games maybe like Race for a Galaxy or something. Uh, again, those tableau building games. Um, kind of a very simple card game where you kind of draft cards from the middle and then you play them out in front of you. Um, also like 51st State, I guess. They're not really production consumption cards, though. They're just kind of cards that do stuff. Um, The production is kind of embedded in them because by playing them in front of you, you assemble kind of your uh, lunar base, I guess, Uh, your base, which connects with these uh, orbs. And if you make, well, when you make, because you have to connect through matching orbs, when you make an orb with a color, you instantly have basically the production of that resource. So kind of by expanding your base, naturally you start producing more resources with which you can get more powerful cards and the game eventually ends. Um, It sounds complicated, but it's also a very simple light game, it looks like, uh, kind of. I think it could be played in 15-20 minutes, probably should be played in 15-20 minutes, shouldn't probably go longer than that. Uh, My only concern, if I have any, is the game, (laughs) one of the winning conditions is having four of these, uh, whatever they call like project cards or something, um, or conspiracy cards in your hand or whatever. Uh, and you can just like top deck into that win condition, which sometimes is a goal. Sometimes it just kind of happens to you, it seems, but kind of a very light game, so it shouldn't be a big issue. I really like the art, uh, the graphic design and the art of the cards. They have really cool kind of clean, white, spacey look. Um, the pictures are very... Um, not realistic, but kind of like uh, monochrome, actually, uh, but just like black kind of dots on top of the white background and uh, they look really cool. I don't know, the look of the game is just like right on target for me uh, as far as graphic design and look. So kind of really excited for this game um, to come out. So that's Lunar Base. Uh, The other game I looked at on Kickstarter, which I backed was Sniper Elite, the board game. Um, sounds kind of cheesy and I'm not sure if I was a huge fan of Sniper Elite on PC I tried the first game I think um, a little bit and it was almost kind of too arcadey and weird for me but it's okay I guess Um, 
This reminds me of Spectre Ops, the way it plays. Kind of different from Spectre Ops, though, but I actually played Spectre Ops over the last couple of weeks again, and I really liked my play again. The game is always just kind of really fun and ends up being really close in the end. Um, just a lot of fun uh, to me. So Sniper Elite kind of looks very similar. Um, it has a little bit of different mechanics, I guess. Spectre Ops, it's all about kind of like sectioning the board and just kind of isolating which section of the board um, the person is in. Sniper Elite looks like a lot more like... Uh, it's the same concept. One person is running around, the other person is trying to catch him. Um, in Sniper Elite, the person who's trying to catch the, the person running around has a lot more pieces, uh, like people. So it's all about kind of blocking the person in, I think, and locking off uh, escape routes. Um, kind of very similar, but play, I, from what I saw, it plays a little bit differently. I actually watched the full playthrough of the Dice Tower, and uh, kind of funny, the first game was an absolute disaster for the Sniper. Um, the second one was much more of a game. Uh, very interesting. It plays like really, I think, very similar to Spectre Ops from what I saw. And I really like Spectre Ops, so that's why I was interested. Um, the third game I was looking uh, at was Arkwright the Card Game. And I'm actually like still not sure about that game. I don't know. I'm still not decided if I should get it. Are you getting it, Brandon? Actually, that might influence my decision. That's kind of uh, an interesting question. Is it, it's a Kickstarter, right? The Kickstarter has an exclusive board, which is the only reason why I'm looking at it. Uh -huh. uh, the board tracks like share prices or something, so it looks kind of necessary to me. I don't know how you're going to uh, do that without a board. Yeah, so, I mean, I wasn't planning on backing it. Um, although I don't, I don't back a lot of games these days. Um, the, I think the only game I'm thinking about backing is Lacerda's new, like, um, filler version of Lisboa. Huh, I didn't even know. But uh, uh, yeah, I don't think Arkwright, I'm backing it. Yeah, it has some kind of an exclusive board, and I looked at it, and I'm just like still not sure about that game. It looks very interesting and kind of fascinating, and maybe like a lot of just looks like planning for production and uh, selling at the right price, I guess, which sounds like an interesting concept, but the game. Kind of like the board game, just looks really kind of dry to me. So I'm kind of wondering if it's actually going to be a good game um, still, but maybe I'll take the plunge on it. I don't know. I actually looked at, uh, there's a games rules video. I pretty much watched the whole thing and I'm still not sure if I'm going to get it, but it looks interesting. So maybe looking forward to Arkwright, the card game. So that's it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a economic simulation, right? Yeah, yeah, and I think I, I think I like those if they're on the lighter side. You know, I don't know about. Uh, I, I don't think I ever really want to jump into any eighteen XX games. Um, and maybe Arkwright, the board game, is eighteen XX light without trains. I don't know. Um, but it looked. I was actually curious about that. I don't know if you can buy other people's shares. I think like you increase the price of your own shares. Uh, maybe I didn't watch all the way through the end on the video, but um, not sure if the shares mechanic is really huge in Arkwright. Um, I think it's more about optimizing your own factories and like meeting demand basically. Okay, I got gotcha. Like evaluating what the demand is going to be and meeting it and selling at the right price, producing at the right cost. I think it's kind of like focused on managing costs and automating your factories and stuff more people, than the share stuff. People love this game, man. And I, I wonder sometimes if people 
say they love these really heavy duty games just because they're pretentious or want to be i don't know (laughs) i don't know i I haven't tried it so i can't say but it it seems like one of those um yeah elaborate eyebrow games you know like i yeah i play arc right what do you play but i mean yeah i like i like heavy games i do like heavy games but um but not just because they're heavy and that's why I would, but it's it. This is this game is like so beloved, but I just I don't know. That's why I want to it try almost, the card game. Yeah, it almost looks like an accounting game or something to me. Like I I think of like doing accounting work when I, I look at that game. Um, <laughs> just kind of like if optimizing you're, spreadsheets. And stuff. If you're on BGG, if you look at the pictures, it shows some people playing it. It literally looks like one guy's a little upset. One guy's thinking a little too hard and one guy's falling asleep. I'm not kidding. If you look at the pictures, man, it's great. <laughs> Weird. It literally looks like well, a dude sleeping. Uh, yeah. And, they, and then one guy's like angrily looking at the camera while the picture's being taken. <laughs> so maybe that sums up the game, but probably not. It's probably, I don't know. It's probably a heavy duty thinker. So I don't think you would get anybody like smiling during gameplay. Yeah. But anyway, it yeah. looks interesting. So I definitely try it at least, but we'll see. All right. All right. Well, that does it for games. Looking forward to. So up next is our designer spotlight, Stefan Feld. All right. So Stefan Feld, um, if you don't know who that is, I don't know why you're listening. No, I'm just kidding. He's a really popular board game designer from Germany. Who, if you look him up on BGG, has about 73 credits as a designer. Now, of course, some of these are expansions, but most of them are actual full games. Um, So what would you say? I have to like edit this because I was planning on having Justine here. So I can't say you guys, just guy, just Risto. (laughs) What? um, So what what do you say his his designs? Would you say that his designs coin the term point salad? Would that be fair? Uh, mm, I don't know about point salad. I mean, I guess like there's a lot of designs that are point salad. When I think of his games, I actually think of like kind of. I was thinking the games are on rails a little bit. I don't know if that makes sense, huh. but like uh, the games kind of set up a scene for you. Usually, the setup is kind of involved in what most of his games. So you have to like set up these decks and like the board to look a certain way exactly, and just like make sure everything's in the right place and organized the same way and then you go through this like very procedural kind of round procedure and then at the end of the game it's like yeah you won or not but uh, <laughs> it looks it's it's almost like yeah very kind of carefully crafted to take you on a very kind of prescribed journey is how i think of his games they have a really weird feel as opposed to like a lot of games are just kind of like throw in a bunch of cards and see what happens you know uh, yeah yeah kind of like yeah a lot of like there's a lot of uncontrolled games his games are very like well organized if that makes sense um i don't know how to even describe it but i think that's a good decent way yeah yeah definitely and some of his games when set up and even explained don't seem that heavy as far as thought goes but then when you start playing them you go holy oh man this is some heavy duty stuff and i remember when we first played castles of burgundy you thought of it as going to be a lighter game and then you noticed that it was like kind of producing ap right 
Yeah, yeah. No, it it sounded like again, like um, I thought it was gonna be just kind of like, yeah, draft some dice and see what happens. It's like you have to make the right moves at the right time, yeah. and it's very like low margins. You have to be very careful what you select so you don't make a mistake. Kind of a game. Yeah. So the rules um, aren't yeah. that complex, but the thought that goes into it, you know, there's some heavy duty mistakes that you can make. So, Risto, what is a couple of your favorite? Stefan Feld games. Um, I'm not super traditional. Uh, the big ones that people think of, I don't like from him so much. I actually kind of like his uh, maybe lighter games. Um, I really like Bora Bora. Uh, the theme there is kind of a hit for me. I really like the theme of uh, kind of expanding and just uh, running a, whatever it's called, a tropical Polynesian. Um, Politician? Yeah, Polynesian? Polynesian? No, Polynesian. Oh, Polynesian. Yeah, Polynesian yeah. Islands. Um, yeah, a really cool theme. Just kind of really kind of works for me. I don't know why, but um, I just really like that game. The other one, which is very non-traditional, actually, I think a lot of people did not like that game from him, is Oracle of Delphi. Mm. Um, I think that's a really just kind of fun game and almost like a family game, I'd say. Uh, but I really like that one. Um, I also like the 2018 releases actually a lot. Um, when I think of his games, I always remember fondly uh, Carpe Diem and Forum Trajanum. Um, people were like not sure about them, I uh, think, yeah, I remember because that. Yeah. they weren't sure if it's like a step back for him, but I really like them. So those are some, some of my favorites. Uh, Bora Bora is on, on my list for sure. I really, really enjoyed that game. Um, in fact, I believe, yes, we played it and immediately bought that copy from the person who we played it with. That's how much uh, my wife and I <laughs> yeah, enjoyed I it. And then we immediately yeah. played it, I think the next day with you again. It's a really enjoyable game. Um, and Trajan, uh, I know that's like one of those that like everybody- the Classic. Yeah, it's yeah. everybody's favorite, but like I can't lie to myself. It is like one of my favorite <laughs> games of all time too. I just like the Mancala uh, action selection thing is just like pretty brilliant. Um, so Feld, started his career in board game design in just 2005 which i i would think that he goes back to the 90s but 2005 with roma so i was as of right now he's been designing games for about 15 years in those years he's given the gaming community a number of favorites here's just a few from his collection that i've heard people praise all right so amerigo uh aquasphere borbor as we said bruges carpe diem castles of burgundy in the Year of the Dragon, Luna, Macau, Merlin, with an asterisk for me, uh, <laughs> The Name of the Rose, Notre Dame, The Oracle of Delphi, as Risto has stated, Revolution of 1828, two-player game that I really want to play, Rialto, Roma, Roman Pirates, which I also really want to play, and Trajan. So that's just a few to name, and like all of those games I've heard people praise which is like that's a lot of games for people like so that's pretty awesome so when he was asked about his style of game design he said he likes giving players real decisions and the second requirement is that it includes the, at least one innovative mechanic or mechanism so what would you say Christo, um what mechanism would you like to see Feld tackle or, or innovate? Hmm. 
I didn't think about the innovation part of it so much, but um, I know he's done Bruges, and that's kind of his uh, multi-use cards game. Uh-huh, but yeah. I'd like to see maybe more multi-use cards game or like engine ty- engine style games. I know his games include a lot of like kind of combos, but those combos are very carefully set up. I'd like to see maybe something like more maybe explosive in a way. Um, I think. I don't know. Like I say, his games feel very like under control. Um, maybe something more relaxed with um, cards, engines. I don't know. That's yeah, you, you. Um, I remember in Bora Bora, you had probably thought about it in the first game and didn't try it, but in the second game, you had built up this huge thing. I think it was with tattoos. Was it with tattoos or people? Maybe the people. Uh, I can't I think it's remember. It's been a while since I played that game. But yeah, there's some combos you can do with tattoos where you can uh, just like uh, uh, slide them down to do extractions. I think that's so what it was. So it was, reaction. yeah. And you'd set up a bunch. It was pretty impressive. But like you said, it took a long time. I think it was like halfway through the game is when you did it. But it like boosted you up like crazy. Um, so what I would like to see him do, innovate or at least just take his own take on it is uh, maybe deck building, just because I'm not so hot on deck building. Um, and I, I, I really like seeing innovations to deck building games. Like I'm really looking forward to Fort, because that sounds like a cool deck building style game. Oh, I actually played it. I could have talked about it, but oh, next week. Next time. <laughs> next time. How did you play it? It's not out. It pushed back to September. Uh, weird. I don't know. Uh, my Kickstarter? Did it get kickstarted? I don't know how he's like an insider or whatever for... Uh, uh, the company. So okay, okay. I don't know. He got it like last week. <laughs> I'm, well, not sure. I'm upset. Not really. I could wait. Um, or mainly what I want to see him do is co-op. I want to see him do a completely cooperative game. I think that would be interesting personally. I, th- I think those sound really cool. Actually, I didn't even think about it. He doesn't have any co-ops. I yeah, think at I all. Think so, yeah. And yeah, no, no, no really deck building games. I think either. Basically, I took two games that I'm that I'm like not like really excited about, and want to see him do that. You know, because I I like the idea of uh, there's some co-op games I like, there's some deck building games I like, but when I hear deck building or co-op, I'm not that excited about him. But if his name was attached, I would be super stoked about him. Yeah, yeah. Um, as far as game testing goes, he is part of a group called. And I am going to slaughter this, unfortunately. Offenberger Sfielfuden. <laughs> That's probably not like the right... Offen- Offenberger is like this name of the city, I'm Yes, guessing. yes. It's a city in Germany. Offenberg. And then Games and Friends. So that's what it means. It's like the city, Games and Friends. Um, it's a game club in his area where most of his playtesting happens. He says that he his his more involved games usually take about a year to two years of testing before sending a prototype to pu- publishers, which I personally think that most of his games are pretty involved than meets the eye. But uh, but what do you guys what do you think, Christo, um, would be a less involved Feld game that you can show to uh, family members or casual gamers? Yeah, unfortunately, a lot of them include a lot of explanation, like you say, and uh, I was actually looking at uh, Bonfire, which is a new game which I hadn't heard of, and the game just looks like, initially, when you look at his games, they have the effect of, uh, 
even if they play simply they just look like a jumble of icons and they're really scary because like you just don't get the board at all it looks just like a bunch of circles with pictures in it and it's just like what i do here very unintuitive looking but after you explain the rules usually they make sense um so anyway i think maybe the games which make more sense initially are again oracle of delphi that i think is kind of like his family game ish um attempt um also i think carpet diem is actually a really easy oh, game yeah. to explain carpet yeah. diem is pretty friendly as far as uh, explanations and how the game plays i think those two are really good you know with casual gamers people that are familiar with um with designer games it seems like castles of burgundy is a hit with them you know i've i've known a lot of uh casual gamers that like who's it it's their favorite game they're like castles of burgundy it's the most amazing game ever i don't know if i would show that to my family who i play games with it seems like a little much bruges worked though i played with uh, some casual gamers and although it took them a little bit to understand the multi-use cards that that was the only thing that was throwing them off everything else is really straightforward so once they understand the multi-use cards i think it's a, a, a pretty uh decent game to show to family members but uh I would go with Risto with Carpe Diem, I think is probably the best example of like a, like a family weight style game. Yeah, it's still a really fun game, I think. Um, I'm actually thinking of myself and Castles of Burgundy gave me like some really bad AP and also uh, what is, what was your other suggestion? Oh yeah, Bruges was the same actually. I didn't really fully understand the game and I was like, just really like, how do I play this? Because there's just so many things you can do. Uh, so pretty scary. I don't know if I'd go with Castles. But yeah, Castles is a very popular game with all kinds of people for some reason. I don't know why, but it is. You're, you're, yeah, I, uh, I understand your point completely. However, I think casual gamers don't think about optimization as much. So they might not yeah, do good maybe. in these games, but I don't think they're going to get overwhelmed with what what do i do they might just like be like i think i'm just gonna do this you know i don't know um so he's only designed one game with a co-designer a game in 2010 with wolfgang panning about street soccer which i don't think was released in the in the u.s but it's a card drafting hand management game about soccer um, he has stated that he is interested in more partnerships however he finds scheduling a problem so like that's why he he's not against co-designing he just doesn't find in his right schedule you know he kind of does it on his own with that said who would you like to see Steffenfeld partner with to co-design a game um i was thinking about actually vladimir suhi from pulsar 2849 or prodigals club um, i don't know what kind of monster they would make because they are both <laughs> kind of yeah. complicated games but i'm maybe kind of interested to see what they could come up with together because i think vladimir suhi has kind of like that uh kind of very the similar approach to games where you can do a lot of things to score but maybe a little bit more explosive so yeah, or I was thinking maybe like Ignacy, that'd be kind of crazy though. I don't know if they'd get along like at all. <laughs> they'd just be like pushing in different directions and just kind of arguing and that that's what I imagine uh, collaboration that's, between them might that's be. That's Portal Games guy, right? Yeah, yeah, with like, yeah, first, first aid, yeah. Pret-a-Porte, Imperial um, Settlers. Yeah, Vladimir Suchi is, that's a that's a great one because they're, they are pretty similar. Um, yeah. I was thinking of just like two board gaming like kings, like king designers, like mashed together, and I would like to see Steffenfeld and Reiner Knizia 
Like how fast would that come off the shelf if the if the game box said Reiner Knizia <laughs> and Stefan Feld, man? That would be insane. That'd um, be interesting, yeah. I like yeah, I was just thinking about how how crazy it would be that that announcement would just be like it would uh it would break the internet of board gamers only. Um actually I don't think of Reiner Knizia as like a really complicated games person, so it might be interesting. Like I think he likes to simplify and uh just kind of distill a lot. Yeah. I've been looking at a lot of maybe it's a recent trend as well, but yeah, a lot of so. his games are not very complicated. They're just kind of clever and very like stripped down to the bare mechanics, but they work very well. Uh Reiner Knizia's. Yeah, yeah. He's like sort of um just like mastered the art of streamlining, right? Yeah. So that that would be interesting to um for him to get a Steffenfeld design and then him streamline it. That would be interesting. Um so I, I'm just going to read a direct quote from an interview I found from uh Steffenfeld. He said, The theme is added fairly late. For me it's more important that the theme supports the gameplay. It's important that the theme supports the gameplay, but never at the expense of a clear mechanism that means that i will never include a detailed rule just to be closer to the theme uh, i really liked the statement and uh i i feel like that's very true to his games now there is probably a lot of complaints about his games euro games in general of being like themeless and i think that this kind of sums up that like why would a game be themeless well the designer is really wanting the mechanisms to shine through right um but anyway with that um is there a steffenfeld game where you found the theme actually comes through um i hate to be a one track uh <laughs> gramophone but i'd say the oracle of delphi i think the theme really comes through of like journeying through islands and just kind of the crazy stuff that happens to you and like magical things and like the argonauts your journey um that's kind of it for me i was actually thinking about his games and even bora bora there is some kind of theme there but i mean a lot of his games when you play them the theme kind of dissolves a little bit so i can definitely see the argument like um, they're a lot about the mechanisms and optimizing the mechanisms so in bora bora and other games you're worrying more about i think dice values and like pushing the rondelle to the right place and a lot of like uh, like the grid or whatever in forum trajanum um, the theme is kind of there, but kind of not um, in a lot of his games. So I can definitely see the complaint there. Uh, but I think maybe the closest one is... I haven't played some of his games, actually, looking down the list. But I'd say of, of the ones I played, uh, Oracle of Delphi is kind of has the most theme to me. I got you. I, I haven't played Oracle of Delphi yet. Uh, I couldn't think of a game that I really felt like the theme came through. Just like you were saying, like... <laughs> Like there's like that's pictures funny. and stuff there. Like Bora Bora has like the tattoos. That's like really cool because you know there's like you know getting tribal tattoos. But you're not yeah. thinking of that. You're thinking of it as like just like numbers and yeah and, and yeah. Exactly. So that was kind of rough. I mean like Merlin is supposed to take place like way back in the day, and I imagine that way back in the day it was really hard to live and it was really hard for me to play that game. So maybe that comes through as far as theme goes. <laughs> No, I mean, like, even in Merlin, like, are you really thinking about going around the circle of, uh, of this 
uh, anyway, King Arthur's Court, you're thinking about like dice values. Are you thinking about uh, destroying villains or whatever? You're thinking about right. matching colors. It's all about just like I think that when you start playing the game, the theme kind of dissolves, and maybe after the game's done, you can go back and like, oh, I did this, which kind of makes sense. Oh, you but kind of while you're playing, you're only worrying about like values and I think matching stuff. I think most of the time, yeah, and just doing an optimal move. Fun, fun fact about King Arthur's Court: you were only allowed to go in one direction in one circle. <laughs> no, that's not true. Okay, <laughs> only to the board I was game. Like, wow, I'm impressed. <laughs> uh, wh- what theme would you like to see Feld try? Is there a theme that maybe you would think of that uh, you'd like to see? Can I guess for you? Are you going to say space? Uh, actually, that's exactly right. Sci-fi yeah. he hasn't done a sci-fi game. Every game is either ancient or brown that he's done. So I'd like him to not do an ancient or brown game. That'd be kind of good, actually. So yeah, I'd say sci-fi or something like dark or post-apocalyptic. Um, all his games are like very kind of the same feel, kind of um, older, yeah, just typical Euro kind of themes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, my answer is pretty similar. Like, I feel like a lot of, like, Uwe Rosenberg, for example, and um, Alexander Pfister were designing these old timey games and stuff, but I feel like they've, they have treaded some modern times, you know, with, uh, well, I, I, I think about Blackout Hong Kong for uh, Alexander Pfister. And, Besides, like, I guess Aquasphere was, like, modern times for, for Feld. Uh, even that, like, the picture, the way it was drawn, it was, like, um, the, the 10,000 Leagues Under the Sea or something. Oh, like yeah. Like, 1800s uh-huh. style of travel. Or early Not 1900s. Really, like, futuristic, just kind of, like, retro-futuristic. Yeah. So, I basically just kind of want him to uh, at least dip his toe in, like, some modern age. Not that I don't like these, like, um, you know, these, these like, period piece games. I actually r- really do and really am drawn to them. But, you know, I seeing some of these Euro designers go modern and go, like, different themes. And then seeing games like, like cell phone, uh, Smartphone Inc. come out that are, like, um, you know, Euro games that we don't typically see themes with. I would love to see... Stefan Feld at least try one and then he could go back to his old ways so he doesn't upset everybody. Uh, I was actually looking at the list of his games and he definitely has the thing where uh, the name of the game is 50% uh, name of European city. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like Bruges, Hamburg, Amsterdam, Roma, uh, Rialto. I don't know if that's the name of the city. Amerigo. Like, it's just like <laughs> kind of ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Like, just pick any European city and he makes a game and it's brown and it works really well, but it's kind of very similar as far as theme goes. And I'm not sure if, yeah, that's a good thing. Yeah. Let, let's see him do a Eureka, California game. <laughs> <laughs> sure. It, it would be brown, I think. I think unique. it'd still be brown. That'd be unique. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> still brown. Um, didn't escape the color. All right. So Feld was actually asked in an interview that I read to try to describe Feld with just three games. <laughs> Can you do it, Risto? Um, I described it using his own games. I don't know if that was the point no, of that's the, the exercise, point. but yeah. I think like uh, Trajan the Castles of Burgundy and In the Year of the Dragon, I think those are like, um, like I say, kind of 
everything we said before. Uh, very procedural games where a lot of thinking about the correct moves and very tight as far as this optimization goes, so you better not make any mistakes and do the optimal stuff. And yeah, I think uh, maybe that's why people like them the most, is they're like his quintessential games. I don't know about the India of the Dragon, but Trajan and the Castles of Burgundy, I think, are like his most liked games widely, somehow. Yeah, yeah, I like India of the Dragon. Um, I own it, and I will continue to own it, because uh, I like it. The whole thing feels like a disaster, you know, it just feels like disaster preparation, but there's something about that game that really uh, resonates with me. So his answer is, in the Year of the Dragon, is one. Uh, he describes it as work under pressure, but still aim for good results. Roma, which is his first one, and he described it as all of life is risk man- management. <laughs> uh, Rum and pirates, one shouldn't always take everything too seriously. So I thought that was pretty neat. Uh, I need to play Rum and pirates. I don't know how available it is, but... <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at the ratings, and yeah, people disagree. Uh, 6.4. Apparently, uh, people are taking things too seriously. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's his, like, uh, hey, lay off me yeah. answer. I think yeah. those are actually the a lot of the criticisms for Oracle of Delphi. The game is a little bit random, so hopefully you're not going in with uh, the expectation to, like, necessarily win if you do the right things sometimes it's kind of dicey a little bit so maybe that's yeah kind of uh, oh and it's a leia game i i do like when he teams up with a leia i feel like those are like his winners um looks interesting i've never yeah i was looking at this uh the other day and i it, uh can't figure out the gameplay by just looking at it that's for sure but how speaking many of which rama has the exact same box factor as uh haton like it's exactly the same shape and by queen games and by the similar time period so um, that kind of raises my interest i'm gonna take a look oh, and see what it is yeah. just curious both both came out in 2005 yep yeah um all right so we'll end this with a couple of upcoming games that has been announced so far which we've probably covered most of them bonfire is supposed to release in 2020 the Castles of Tuscany, which is going to be like his follow-up of Castles of Burgundy, 2020 as well. Hamburg, 2021, which is um, a retheming of Bruges. And Amsterdam, 2021 as well, retheming of Macau. Both those retheming games is from Queen Games, and I believe the Kickstarter is happening now. So that's Steffenfeld. Do you have anything more to add about Steffenfeld, Risto? Uh, no, I like his games, but they're not games that I would play all the time, oddly enough. Um, sometimes I have to be kind of in the mood. They're not really my super favorite go-to games. They're really, really solid designs, but sometimes I I feel like something kind of crazier than the procedural and careful games he designs. That's just my take on his games. Uh, Trajan I played so many times and I would play so many times more um, Castles of Burgundy I've played a lot too Bora Bora I've only played twice and I would like if I memorized the rules I would probably play that way more often and maybe that's to be said about myself with his games as well like if I could if I memorized more of the rules like Trajan I could probably pull up the box right now teach it no problem and I haven't played it in like four or five months um, but some of his games, like I just haven't played enough to memorize the rules. 
And yep. and if I did, I feel like I would get more gameplay out of him. That's actually a major thing is his games do have a lot of rules because of the procedural nature of them, like I say. And it's kind of an effort to pull them out and play sometimes when you haven't played them for a while. So that's a notch down. But they're really fun once you kind of relearn them. Yeah. All right. So that was our spotlight on designer Steffenfeld. Up next, top three veritable player powers. Uh, you could also say that this is our top three asymmetric games. Why don't you explain, Risto? Um, I don't know if I should explain, but I was just noticing that when I looked at what the definition is, I actually don't really, I've never really thought about this. I'm not sure if I like this um, kind of distinction. To me, it's actually kind of like you say, variable player powers, powers is what defines these kind of games to me so it's weird that they um uh uh the, uh, what, oh, actually what i meant is asymmetric games that's what i usually try to call these kind of games like okay. asymmetry yeah so i wish the, the mechanism was called asymmetry other than rather than variable player powers because very variable player powers are just kind of the same thing but whatever um i think we've previously talked i think uh i i went through the games and a lot of overlaps with like uh area control games and i think we've done top three asymmetric games maybe but that's a very similar list to this but i guess this kind of has the um theme of you start the game asymmetric a lot of the asymmetric games we've previously talked about i guess are kind of you become asymmetric as you play the game this one i focused more on like you kind of you're built into the game as an asymmetric faction or something. That's kind of how I made my list. But a lot of honorable mentions actually really hard to make a good list out of this because very many good games and I had to pick three, so I went with certain three, so that's it. Yeah, I mean, um, like deck building, engine building, those could be asymmetric games later on in the game right that's what you're saying like there's a lot of games where throughout the game you become different through various actions but yeah that's what i focused on in this that was the easiest way to break it down for me was everybody starts differently and goes from there yeah um uh yeah so like with that said like i didn't i didn't include any that later on you become different it's it's all right from the start of the game there's some asymmetry to it and let's get it started number three all right number three for me is barrage um barrage is um not so asymmetric i would say actually the game is not drastically different between you and someone else However, you do have a very powerful ability and a unique board, which you specialize kind of in a different thing. So I think uh, that's how it um, applies with the theme here. You start with it as well. Um, And the game doesn't have an auctioning mechanic for them. Supposedly they're balanced, but um, I don't know. Some people we play with disagree, Matt and Justine notably. I think they've probably started auctioning. Uh, They they like auctioning for those kind of games. So that's one of them. But Barrage, we've talked about it previously. It's a game where you build some dams to... 
make electricity out of water and the water flows from the mountain down and everyone's kind of involved in cutting each other off basically and kind of reusing that water to flow through different dams and generate the electricity for different people um the asymmetric player powers is uh some people like the game's kind of very complicated so i'm not going to explain not even close to what it plays like but some people specialize in just different aspects of this some people like build high walls some people uh, want water to pass under their uh, power stations because they can generate extra power uh, some people can do extra actions or copy actions or whatever from other people so like uh the uh, the game plays kind of the same for everyone on the main board, but you do push your kind of agenda and try to maximize your basically what your player does, uh, what your uh, faction does. Or It's not a faction, it's like a character, I guess, in that game, what your character is good at. Um, kind of very elaborate game, Italian by the Italian designers. Um, I don't know their names, but... Uh, pretty cool game definitely check it out we've talked about it a lot previously i think it's been on a lot of top three lists so that's barrage yeah you know what those those italian designers actually have like a name not like a first name <laughs> and last name uh they're they're like really hard to pronounce but they're there's like they have like a, a um like a collective that i just recently figured out because i was like looking at all their games and trying to figure out like which ones i should get from them are you talking about akitoka maybe that's exactly is what i'm talking what about yep. yeah uh it translates to whose turn is it yeah. by the way which yeah. is hilarious yeah was, i've seen that before i don't know if they have that listed as their name but like it's almost like an unofficial thing they I have guess. it on some bgg games when it's them yeah. simone luciani and daniel uh Tashini is not part of it like crazy enough um they're like their own entities um so like i don't think barrage has that title on it but like um terramara and uh i think let's see i know terramara has it yeah i've seen it on a few games just like unofficially but i don't know if it's on the box of the game no I, I yeah mean, i don't think I mean. so i don't think so i don't think it's on the I box think it's just a bgg thing right right but yeah i, I found that interesting so like we could Stop calling them the Italian designers. Probably not, because I'm going to have a hard time pronouncing that name as well. <laughs> I'll just say, like, whose yeah. turn it is anyway, designers, if that works. Whose <laughs> turn is it anyway? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fun. That's funny. All right, my number three is a really simple game from Mondo and Restoration Games. It's called Unmatched. Unmatched is like a miniature game with a board, but it's cards. No dice, just cards. Um... But it has fictional and fiction characters throughout time. Uh, there was like a four-player box that came out first. It was like called something Legends. And it had like uh, Sinbad and King Arthur. And Battle of Legends Volume 1. Yep, that's it. it. Yep. And Medusa and Alice from Alice in Wonderland. Uh, they came out with just a two-player one that had uh, Robin Hood and Bigfoot. And then they just released another four-player pack, Cobble and Fog, which I have, which I'm really excited about because it's like horror people. It's like Dracula, Jekyll and Hyde, and um, Sherlock Holmes, who isn't really horror-esque, but uh, and the Invisible Man. They also have like smaller packs. I think that they have another two-player one, this Jurassic Park, and they came out with just Bruce Lee on his own because he's that 
that awesome. But it doesn't matter which you could buy a bunch of them and just mix them, you know, just pick one and play. And their deck is supposed to be like catered to the type of fighter that they might be. It's really intuitive. You know, if they're if it's melee attacks, then it's just adjacent. And there's there's this board that has just circles on it and like terrain um, kind of print. And there's lines going to them to show adjacency. But then when it's um, ranged attacks, it's very interesting because it's whatever color you're on, um, you can hit another player who's on that same color. And some of these spots have multiple colors. So it's really simple. It was actually a game because it's restoration game. So what was it restored from? Star Wars Epic Duels, which was a popular game back in the day. And they just kind of revamped it and took off the Star Wars. I wonder if they'll actually get Star Wars characters. That would be interesting. But anyway, uh, it's really easy, but it's really fun. When, you, when you're going to battle somebody, you just like play a card face down from your hand. And they play card face down. You flip it. Um, and then you take the, the remaining balance as his hits. And there's little dials that could keep track. So if I put down a four and you put down a two defense, then you're taking two damage. Um, it could be played two players if you have a two-player board. And it could be played up to four players, It could, um, which is a team game, so you're teaming up with somebody else. But I, I found a lot of enjoyment out of this play. The asymmetry is extremely present because you have special abilities um, that you just have that you can trigger on your turn. But also the decks are asymmetric too, so they're very different from each other as well. And some of them come with uh, like uh, like what would you call it? I guess like minions, you know, like Dracula has his three brides and yeah, Sherlock yeah. Holmes has Watson. Um, Invisible man has just fog that pets he uses or whatever maybe. So like that's mechanic. Yeah. So he could like go on the fog and he's like plus one defense when he's on fog. Um, there, uh, he could, he could teleport from fog to fog too. So like, that's pretty cool. They're not anything you could kill on the board, but he's just something he uses. So I'm really interested to see like how much other stuff they put out, like involved with the players, but really asymmetric and like really fun, really simple. Um, yeah, really simplistic game, but it's fun. I like the fact too, that the deck is your energy. So there's like a, an action where you can draw a card, but you have to be careful. And there's cards that let you draw cards as well, but you have to be careful because once your deck runs out, then you're exhausted, which means every time you have to take a card, draw a card, you have to take two damage because you're like working through your exhaustion. So I like that management part of it too, of like, this is your energy, don't use it up kind of thing. But the game just ends when you, you're just killing each other. That's what you're really trying to do. But uh, a tactical game, but a lot of fun. So that's my number three, Unmatched. That's interesting. It looks like uh, an Exceed kind of a game. Yeah, Exceed yeah. has the same thing going on. It's basically a skirmish game, other, but unlike Exceed, which is just 2D, it's like, I guess, 3D in a way. Yeah, Because you figures. move around the board as yeah. opposed to a line, just right. back and forth. But no, it looks interesting, actually. I'm um, What I was uh, kind of funny and kind of a little bit sad i guess is restoration games it's a 2002 game so like that's probably the most recent game oh, they've yeah. restored i guess so it makes me feel like i don't know like are we playing super old games if they're from the beginning of the 2000s i guess they're considered like obsolete or something they need to be restored you know what i mean yeah like i mean weird. that's almost 20 years old now yeah you know 18 years, 18 old, years old that is crazy but uh, yeah, that yeah, they usually restore like 
70s like 80s 90s maybe 80s, 90s 70s, yeah 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 yep it's the most recent restoration game i've seen star wars epic duels um exceed is actually like a good example of it except i think it's even more streamlined than exceed yeah yeah streamlined uh yeah exceed you don't even move around the board you just move back and forth but very similar concept like you have a deck which is asymmetric and you should conserve your energy for the right strikes at the right time and so forth all right moving on Number two. All right. Number two is Clans of Caledonia for me. That's a game which I played like four or five times, I think, altogether. And I kind of lately want to play it more. So we'll see how that goes because it's kind of hard to get played. I don't know for what reason. But um, it's a game which actually reminds me of kind of Terra Mystica, but with production and recipe fulfillment. Um, Basically, it's got some Terra Mystica-like synergy mechanics where you should kind of be close to people to profit off of them by buying resources off of them more cheaply. But if you're close to them, they block you. So it's that kind of uh, situation where be close but not too close <laughs> to people or just have a way out, I guess. Um, the asymmetry there is again kind of like barrage and um, some other games you start with a clan which has uh what is the theme of the game um clans of caledonia you're a clan and you're i think you just want to uh, fulfill the most contracts and score the most points uh, for yourself and just become the richest clan um uh but uh anyway i lost my train of thought i guess um yeah, you start with a clan which is, has an asymmetric ability, and again, like Barrage, uh, the game plays kind of similarly for everyone, but some people are better at something than others, and you should, again, definitely play to your clan's like ability to maximize what you can do. Um, not so strongly represented, I'd say, as far as asymmetry goes, but a really good game nevertheless. Um, I think some clans are arguably better than others as well. I always kind of wonder in these games um, uh, when you choose clans at the beginning, like am I just kind of shooting myself in the foot just by be before the game even starts? But you just kind of trust that hopefully the designer uh, balanced the game correctly or <laughs> I don't know. Some games actually have an auctioning variant for that, uh, but not this one. But yeah, it's it's a game where you have an asymmetric ability. Uh, you should play to it. Uh, very similar to uh, Terra Mystica. If you haven't tried it, try it. Uh, the the box is kind of small, actually. It's kind of cool, and that game is very tightly packed. It reminds me kind of of Paladins of the West Kingdom and those kind of games where there's not even like air in the box because it's just full of components, which kind of packs kind of a larger game in a smaller box um i've always had fun playing it so that's clans of caledonia yeah i really enjoy this game um how it's not like terra mystica though is getting a bunch of areas it doesn't warrant a lot of points that's not the big point mechanic in the <laughs> game and i made that mistake when we played it was like i got all this land but then uh yeah. that was like failure of my own because i kind of knew that that's not where the majority of points went but i kind of went that direction yeah and there, 
there is a scoring for I think the largest connected yeah. blob of stuff, kind of mm-hmm. like Terra Mystica. But uh, the, a lot of the game is focused on producing and making the right recipes to fulfill these contracts. Yeah. Basically, unlike Terra Mystica, where they produce uh, your buildings produce like generic resources to be spent on stuff, um, the buildings in Clans of Caledonia produce like specific resources, which you get cards and fulfill them, uh, and that's a major scoring in the game. It's, uh, scoring opportunity all right so my number two is almost a cheat as far as like how i was explaining my list because i don't think in this game you start with uh asymmetric powers you gain them later but it's not like you're building toward them and all of a sudden you're different and it's a co-op game and it's called flip ships so it's a dexterity game where you're flipping ships into this mothership and different things are coming down uh what's the video game it's like Christo? It's i can't space invaders space invaders it's basically space invaders the dexterity board game uh really fun uh, when you're when your overall like health gets down to a certain amount which is like shared health uh you unlock these ships of your own and each one is different each one could do a little bit of different like one is like uh that you're 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 better at uh, like killing the mothership and stuff. So you almost get like assigned roles when these special ships come in. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, there's two. Like you start with one that's generic that doesn't have any powers, and then there's two that you can. There's a, another ship that you can get that has special powers, and then another one that has different powers too. So I felt that this um, should be suggested. It's kind of a different game as far as uh, most of the games that I'm talking about and that Risto's talking about, but I do think that it should be mentioned because there is asymmetric powers that come a little bit later in the game, and that's Flip Ships. Pretty cool game, yeah. Uh, the asymmetric player powers are almost like a catch-up mechanic because usually they give them to you when you start getting destroyed, right. so you become more powerful. Pretty cool game, though. Awesome game. Number one. All right. My number one has, I've already kind of somewhat mentioned it. Um, I was, I put Gaia Project, but it might as well be Gaia Project slash Terra Mystica. Like I've mentioned before, they're kind of a, the same game to me almost with different flavor and spacing between people. But um yeah, Guy Project um, game where you start and play the game kind of very differently uh, from everyone else. Um, I think it's pretty highly asymmetric, and usually those games are kind of a disaster. I have some, uh, not a disaster, but very unstable, I, I guess I should say. Um, disaster is maybe too strong of a word. Very unstable. Uh, Terra Mystica is not so unstable, which kind of speaks to its, um, or Guy Project slash Terra Mystica, not so unstable, which speaks to its like kind of good design, I think, because um, it manages to do different feeling games playing together on the same board with kind of similar rules to play on the same board. Um, but them being kind of very well balanced in the end, arguably, even though um, that one does have an official, I think, auctioning variant now where uh, some combinations of races like maybe are a little bit unbalanced. So right off the bat, if you're a really good player who has played the game thousands of times, you can tell like, oh, this race is probably going to do well 
because these other guys are not in which are maybe like a natural blocker for them so maybe they're worth like bidding more points on or something but uh yeah we've talked about guy project and Terramistic previously as well extensively um it's a game where basically it's almost like basically building buildings actually that's what the game is about is just building buildings but uh the way you build buildings is fascinating because you want to be next to each other, but you also block each other, kind of like Clans of Caledonia, which I previously mentioned. So you want to be awkwardly close to other people where you can build next to other people for benefits, but you also want to be a, have a way to expand because it's all about expanding. Actually, with Teramesky, it used to be all about expanding. With Guy Project, they changed the goals to where it could be about different things, I guess. So depending on what goals are in the game, you're aiming for different things. But uh, kind of a masterpiece of design, I would say. Uh, it plays very well, even though you might, uh, if you pick a different race, your game is going to feel very likely completely different because the races are very asymmetric, like very subtle uh, kind of asymmetric abilities, but very important to where it like changes your whole game. So it just plays completely differently every time um, with every fa uh, every race interaction as well, depending on what who's in the game and what they can do. Uh, but in the end, it's always... Um, works out to be a balanced and awesome game so that's Gaia Project slash Terra Mystica for number one yeah I have Terra Mystica on my honorable mentions uh, Gaia Project I only played once so I don't really feel like I uh, can talk about it much all I remember is like thinking that I like Terra Mystica better but I played Terra Mystica way more so like I should give Gaia Project a, a lot more chances uh, I need to play it more I didn't dislike it by any means I thought it was really neat um but yeah, I just need to play it more. My number one, I found a way to include my favorite game of all time. Do you know what this is, Risto? <laughs> Lorenzo Magnifico. Yes. And do you know how I included it? Uh, uh, what do you mean, how? It's well, an asymmetric player power game or a variable, variable player power game. Is it? Uh, with the yeah. expansion it is oh with the expansion yeah i mean yeah. obviously it needs the expansion otherwise it's not yeah yeah so so, yeah. so it's lorenzo el magnifico with houses of renaissance expansion so i'm not going to go through too much of like what lorenzo is but essentially it's a it's a worker placement game and your workers are tied to these dice everybody's workers are tied to the dice you roll the dice there's three of them and that allows you that is like the strength of the worker for that round and there's different buildings that you can visit and depending on how 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 strong you are you can only go up so far in these buildings and the buildings are just cards on them that will go in various places on your tableau um, there's an engine building aspect to it there's a resource conversion aspect to it kind of set collection and then like in-game points and they're they're like color-coded as well the cards from the different buildings and it's really tough to go to other buildings because you can't go there with your same color ever um, and if somebody else has gone there, then you have to pay some money, making it harder and harder for uh, as the round goes on. However, you have a dummy player who's like your idiot cousin that uh, is a zero uh, always. Um, but you can pay uh, servants uh, to either up your strength of your regular guys or up add to create a strength for the, the dummy. And he's a neutral color. So if you go to one building you can go there because it's not really your color. However, you still have to pay. 
A lot more to the game than that, I would say. And when you add the expansion, there's a little more to it. But how it makes it asymmetric is it includes like families. So now you become this family represented by a family crest and you auction for it in a very interesting way. So if I go here to this family because it has some cool power where it gives me like another worker who's like kind of neutral too, but he starts higher than a zero, um, I would maybe place on the last spot, which has given me starting resources and coins and such. But if somebody else goes there, then they're saying that they could take less resources to make that family work, essentially. So you're auctioning this way, and pretty much, as I believe Matt has said it, that you're pretty much saying how how awesome the family is. Like, if you're willing to take basically almost nothing for it, you're saying, I could still make this work. I really like the auctioning in the beginning for these um player abilities but i really think that it adds to the game i don't play this game without the expansion it also adds a fifth player and it adds another board so like there's and the, that board adds various cards from all the different buildings and a, a little piece that comes on that add that makes uh, each building harder or less hard depending on the player count but uh i love this game it's like my favorite game of all time with this expansion the family thing, man, right from the get-go, if you've been playing this game a lot and you're playing with a, players who've played a lot, just the beginning of the game, the auction can be intense because certain families come out and you're like, gosh, I want that. That goes with my strategy perfectly. And then you're like, I'm willing to take nothing for it. Um, <laughs> or like a crappy family comes out, which does happen, which is like, I don't know if that family's that great. Nobody wants it. But somebody's going to end up with it, but they're going to have a lot of starting resources, which might help them out throughout the game. But I'm, I would argue that you could probably make every family work, depending on your strategy. And uh, it makes this game way more fascinating than it already was. And that's Lorenzo El Magnifico with the expansion Houses of Renaissance. Yeah, Lorenzo's pretty cool. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so some honorable mentions. So Risto actually mentioned a lot of mine. Terra Mystica, uh, Barrage. That was oh, some yeah, of mine. Go ahead. Um, Lords of Hellas, I would say. Yeah. It's a good one. Um, Undaunted. So Undaunted Normandy is just like this war game. Really simple war game. Deck building war game. Two player only. And um, the asymmetry there is... Not in the decks in the first few rounds, like uh, first, not first few rounds. For it's a, like a campaign, sort of. You could play um, anything from it. You don't have to play through, and there's no like destructing. It's not like a legacy style. Um, but the first few scenarios, like the decks are exactly the same, and you could buy the same exact cards. They're not from a shared market; it's from your own market. Um, however, the what you're trying to do in the game is definitely asymmetric. However undaunted uh north africa which i just picked up is a lot more asymmetric as far as like what your cards are um in the original game if i had like a, a gunner your gunner was exactly the same as mine they changed that now my gunner is going to be way different than yours so i thought that was really neat and uh so that's an honorable mention for sure which is undaunted mainly undaunted north africa neat um, when I was saying that Gaia Project is an asymmetric game from the start, which is kind of more stable, some of the more unstable ones are honorable mentions, which is, I'd say, Root, Vast, Dune, Cry Havoc, 
Kemet uh, to some extent. Um, all of these are kind of very control games where you start with um, completely different faction in the case of Root and Vast, uh, maybe playing a completely different game as well. Um, Dune is like built-in asymmetry, like really harsh asymmetry from the very start to where the game is actually kind of unfair, but that's kind of how it's designed. Uh, Cry Havoc, completely different playing factions, which you need to understand. Kemet kind of becomes asymmetric. Everyone starts the same, but becomes asymmetric. Um, the reason I say they're more unstable is I think they're more prone to kind of wild swings and just uh, they need everyone kind of understanding how to play the game uh, to have a really good game. Otherwise, you can let someone just kind of explode by not knowing how they play or just kind of, yeah, just uh, interactions between them. So very exciting games, actually. Very cool games. Um, a, a lot of them really good. Um, just more unstable i'd say that's kind of a feature of asymmetry i think sometimes is instability <laughs> or just uh kind of because of the crazy things people can do that are very different from each other uh speaking of crazy things people can do um this is probably the variable player power games cosmic encounter that's oh like yeah ridiculous that's a game which actually revels in instability uh it's like the instability is the feature of the game not really uh something to be combated but something to be enjoyed i think because that's a game where you play as like aliens and basically you just kind of attack each other with alliances and stuff very simply um and kind of play take that cards on each other and it's basically a take that fest with really really powerful sometimes asymmetric player powers to where the game is a little bit broken but like i say broken in a fun way at least that's the argument and i actually really enjoy cosmic encounter actually the, for for me it works it's almost like a party party game of take that and alliances that's kind of how i look at it uh sometimes kind of sad because you just fall behind um anachrony is a really promising game which i need to play more um i think that one depending on which faction you are your game plays very differently again very common theme you do similar actions on the main board uh, but you are pushing and have very distinct personal advantages, which kind of change your whole game completely. Uh, so that has a lot of promise. I just haven't played it enough. Uh, Spirit Island is a game I really enjoy where you are playing a certain spirit, uh, combating invaders of your island. And depending on which spirit you play and which spirits are in the game, it plays completely differently. And the interactions between them are very powerful sometimes and completely different. So that's a pretty exciting game that just didn't quite make it. Um, recent release on board game Arena, Santorini. That's a game where oh, yeah. the base game existed for a long time, like 2003 or something, four. Um, and it wasn't really super well revered until they implemented these god powers where depending on which god you have that game just uh, like which is from the onset you just select one and the other player selects another one and you just have like these this uh, competition between which god is better uh, the game changes completely depending on which gods are in the game and their interactions are completely different so like the base game kind of boring with gods pretty exciting i would say it like changes the whole game completely in a very good way uh so that's santorini um 
Spectre Ops, same thing, uh, depending on the choice, that's a hide-and-seek game, depending on the choice of, there's different characters you can pick as the person seeking or hiding, and they have different abilities, and it could completely change the way the game is played, like the very kind of unique. Uh, Sidereal Confluence, very strongly represented variable player powers, uh, trading game, um, really well done, I think. I have concerns about balancing, maybe, with especially lower player counts. Um, the game technically kind of works, though. But um, that's a really strong, I think, asymmetric player power or variable player power game from the start. Uh, some factions play completely differently there. Uh, Two-player game Stronghold from Portal. Um, that's a clash of asymmetry. Uh, one person plays a worker placement game as the defender. The other one plays like a cube drafting and waterfall kind of attacking game with cubes as the attacker. So it's like a worker placement defense versus cube drafting attack. It's weird. And Brandon's Lorenzo, that's on my list for sure. Really cool game. Just didn't quite make it for me, but yeah. So yeah, lots of really, really good games, actually. A lot of those games that I listed like could have been on my top three. They're all really good, I think. And that's even like scratching the surface of good games. I think this is like one of my favorite things, actually, uh, in games is asymmetry. So I have a lot of favorites here. So that's just barely scratching it. Yeah, if you couldn't tell, it's one of Risto's favorites. He just did a top 10, basically. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah. I got some things I to say. I could easily make a top 10 out of these, yeah. Basically, oh, yeah. this could be like a top 10 the games I just listed. Um, Yeah, Cosmic Encounter, uh, it works for me as well, for sure. I, I understand why some people don't like it. You have to go into that game knowing it's kind of like silly and crazy and, yeah. and probably not yeah. so balanced. I did just pick up the, the two-player version Cosmic Encounter Duel, which a lot of people were complaining because it takes out the negotiation. But you know what? I'm not that huge of a fan of the negotiation to be honest <laughs> i'm not like it's fine it works in the game but it's not something that i'm like um uh, it needs to be there like so i'm actually looking forward to the two-player version it seems actually really interesting um and santa santorini the 2004 yeah. version not only did it not have god powers but i'm like it was really plain and if you look at pictures on bgg it's like every picture is different components like people just like made the game i so, think yeah it was like a make and play your own kind of so, I yeah don't know if there was ever an official box release i think it was just like plans but it's very simple to make yeah like not even a print and play just like print rules and 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 make stuff like yeah every yeah, single picture is different yeah so um when the the new one came out. It looks really good. It looks really um, like it's eye-catching. And I, I, I've enjoyed that game quite a bit. You could play without the god powers is what it says. Like the original game. I think it's really boring. Yeah. And I thought I thought it wouldn't be. I thought that would be... I thought like this... It makes it a serious um, abstract game. But then I, when I played it with the god powers, I was like, oh, I'll never play without the god powers. That's what makes it interesting. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the New York version as well. And then uh, there's also Tournament of Camelot, which apparently only Haristo <laughs> and I like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Unlike some other people, yeah, for sure. Yeah. 
No, that's interesting. Yep. Um, yeah, the cosmic encounter negotiation phase is kind of scripted anyway. Basically, like uh, defender, I'll attack. I'll invite everyone. Attackers, like I'll invite everyone yeah. who's low on points. Right. <laughs> that's pretty right. much what it is. Yep. So it's kind of the same ish. And you're you're almost joining a fight every single time too. Most yeah, of the time. Much. Um, Keeps yeah. you involved in the game, but kind of scripted. Hey, if you ever have any questions for us or if you want to queue in and say like, hey, these are my top three, this or that, you could always hit us up um, on our website, www.cardsandcubes.com. Uh, you will find a contact there, but also it has some some other stuff as well. Christo runs it, so he's uh, he's good at keeping up to date on it, maybe. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I check. Yep. Yeah. Okay, sure. cool. Yeah, uh, hit us up, and uh, that will be our show. So we want to thank Lindsay Hobbs for composing the theme that you're hearing right now, and Kirsten Adams for designing the logo that you may be looking at right now as well. Um, Cards and Cubes is a production of Pod Cauldron. Check out some other awesome podcasts from the Pod Cauldron Network, including Bub Club, a horror movie podcast, and Rabble Rabble Rabble, which is a comedic take on current events. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you guys in a couple of weeks. 